Hey, hey, you hear? Yeah, that's the question. It means it's time to begin another episode of The Paul Leslie Hour, and we are pleased to present one rare interview with English-Canadian singer-songwriter David Whiffen. David's an exceptional performing and recording artist who released several acclaimed records. His writing and performances are nothing short of, well, I said it already, exceptional. David Whiffen's work has even been recorded by the likes of Anne Murray, Tom Rush, Jerry Jeff Walker, Ray Wiley Hubbard, and many others. Just keep in mind, folks, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by viewers and listeners like you. Come on, be a patron of the spoken word and supporter of independent media. Just visit thepaulleslie.com slash support, and we thank you, truly. Well, folks, it's time. Let's start the show with our special guest, David Whiffin. Well, thank you so much for making the time to do this. Oh, no problem. Glad to do it. It's an honor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to properly introduce everyone out there to who I'm joined with. We are joined with an artist who I have enjoyed for years. He's made some recordings that uh, no, no doubt many of you have enjoyed. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by David Whiffen. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So, can you tell us, what are your earliest memories? My earliest memories? I think uh, probably about the war, when I was about three. I remember the uh, V-2 rockets going over our house to be dropped on London, and the other... And the other thing was going down into the bomb shelter. Um, so we didn't get killed. <laughs> hmm. And can you tell us the city you were born in? I was born in London. In London, England? Yes. And what would you say your earliest interest was? Um, painting. Painting and drawing. And, and after I learned how, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a big reader, mm-hmm. but it took me a while before I got the hang of it, I remember. <laughs> and what kind of things do you remember reading? Oh, a very wide... Uh, I'm very fond of um, uh, James Lee Burke. Um, I read a lot of Dickens, um, James Bond, of course, and uh, hmm, what else? That's, oh, here I have a note here. Oh, and also, yes, a, a very importantly, uh, James Messina. To, um, I've read most of his books. James Mishner. Yes. And can you tell us a bit about your parents? Yes, I can. Um, uh, we uh, 
We lived in a place called Forest Hill, which is in London suburbs. And um, my father was a major in the Royal Engineers. And I didn't actually meet him until I was about three in 45 or so when he came back from the war. My mother was very angry at him for joining the army. She didn't want to be alone with me, but that worked itself out. It was rather strange meeting him for the first time. I think I said something like, um, how do you do, sir? And went back to sleep. My mother uh, was, uh, she's a very nice lady. Um, uh, and, and a homemaker, I guess you would call mm-hmm. it. Well, tell us a bit about when you started writing, and I knew any kind of writing yourself. Yes, well, um, I guess that that started in earnest in about 1968. We had just, I was with a group at the time, a band um, called Three's a Crowd, of which there were six of us, which is a whole other story. Um, And uh, we had just finished a 13 um, engagement at the, the World's Fair, Expo 67. And then we did uh, two weeks at the Canadian Pavilion. And uh, after we finished, uh, the band unfortunately broke up, as all bands eventually do, I think. And um, I came back, uh, not to Toronto, where I had been living, but I came back to Ottawa, where I had a lot of musical friends. And um, uh, one one morning, I went down in the basement with my 12-string guitar and um, came up with more often than not. And that kind of started the ball rolling. I did most of my writing during the 70s and early 80s. And um, I don't have a great repertoire, but I guess this. 50 or 60 songs, um, which have, most of which have been recorded. And um, so, yeah, that's where that came from. Well, there's certainly some, some spectacular songs. And well, thank you. Yes, sir. And many great singers have resonated with them as well and decided to record them. So can you tell us, about moving to Canada, what was the uh, initial reason, and what was it interesting to be in a new country? Oh, definitely, yes. Um, what happened was my father had been in Canada for a year. He was working here on a, a power station project, and um, instead of coming home, he uh, invited us or instructed us to come over here and so we 
hopped on the Empress of Britain um, and uh, came across the Atlantic by sea and arrived in, I think it was um, 1958. And uh, it was quite a an easy transition. Um, I made uh, a few good friends uh, when I first got here, and um, but school did not go well for me. Mm. I ended up having a a very bad um, occasion in one of my classrooms where. I figured that the teacher was kind of picking on me, and uh, I ended up, I was given the chance by the headmaster either to go home and sort of calm down a bit, and if I wanted to, I could come back, and I said, well, I don't really want to come back. And from there, I went back to England, and I worked on a farm. Uh, which belonged to a cousin of mine. And I was there for about 18 months, then came back to Canada again. And uh, I had various odd jobs. I worked uh, for one of the premier jewelry and um, uh, shops or businesses. I also worked at a a place that made uh, fur coats um, at a fur is, and I had a job um, uh, for a while with the Ontario government um, in the retail sales tax department, but um, sometime later I got, uh, not fired, but I was let go because of my night uh, activity at the local uh, folk club. Uh, I was staying up until all hours of the, of the night. And um, one morning I went to work and went to sleep on my desk. And uh, so they let me go too. Hmm. So, can you tell us about a bit about how you came to be a performer, a live performer? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, on my way home from work, uh, I passed this place um, that had sort of, you know, uh, red tablecloths and, or checker tablecloths and candy bottles in the window. And... Uh, it really uh, it intrigued me, but I never really did anything about it. It was turned out to be the Village Corner Club, which was one of the first um, sort of folk clubs in Toronto. And uh, one night uh, or uh, one day, a friend of mine said, you know, I, I went to that place last night. Where um, where you where you've been you know watching the place, and 
all the people there are like you. Hmm. And so we, uh, he took me down there and uh, we went in and there were uh, a lot of people, you know, drinking coffee and playing guitars. And um, the owner came on the stage and said that the the scheduled entertainer for that night couldn't make it. And does anybody do anything? Does anybody sing or play the guitar? And my friend piped up and said, yes, he does. (laughs) And that's how I got started. I went up there and uh, did a few songs. And everybody liked it. I got some applause, which was very... um, it was good, you know, and uh, which started off a um, a, a long going battle with my parents because um, uh, they weren't very pleased with the kind of company I was keeping, and um, but eventually I uh, I just gave up my day job and I. Actually, I lived at the village corner for a while and on the upstairs. And um, the people that I was working with at that time included Gordon Lightfoot, Ian and Sylvia, and various other people. And um, I started my career and I had I wrote two um, two songs, I think, while I was there. And this was uh, 61, 62, I guess. And uh, so I wrote these two songs and people seemed to like them. And uh, but I didn't really start writing seriously until I came to Ottawa, like I said. Hmm. And the the entertainment aspect, the the performing aspect of of interacting with a crowd would you say that was something that was natural to you or was it something you learned um a bit of both actually yeah a bit of both uh, i've always been a bit of a mimic and uh i had a few jokes up my sleeve so i was able to as well as play the music i was able to entertain and uh Give them a good time. And I'm hoping you can tell us, uh, you, I think you have a very unique voice. It's a, it's a very enjoyable, yeah. it's, a, it's a, a little bit of the what you would think of with some of the folk people, but there's a bit of blues, I think, also. How did you develop your voice? Well, um, I had a good start because I learned to sing at school when I was, you know, um, 13, 14 at high school. And we had a school choir and we had a school band, which I played in. I learned to play the tuba. And, uh, but he taught us that we had a really good music teacher and he taught us some of the mechanics of, of singing how to breathe and uh, 
uh, he was a, a great musician himself. He played trumpet, guitar, um, piano, and taught us some of the the basics of of singing. And that's where I that's where I first started singing. Interesting. And I'm hoping you can tell us uh, there's this record that people can get in the original copy. You can see it for really, really high prices. It's yes. the live record, the bunkhouse co- coffee house recording. Can you tell us about the circumstances of that recording? Yes, I can. Um, it originally, the uh, the recording was supposed to be what they called in those days a sampler with five or six artists singing maybe two songs each and on the on the day of recording that was supposed to start um we found out that uh, a lot of the other people were supposed to be almost sort of caught in a bad snowstorm this was out west in vancouver and um couldn't make it and so i ended up getting the whole thing and that's how that record uh, was came to be was this repertoire something you, you had picked up through the years just yes it was uh um i was singing like things like four strong winds uh, van tyson um uh, some folk songs i was uh when i was a kid i had a a wind-up um, record player gramophone and he used to play these they were sort of seven inch like a uh like a 45 put on uh vinyl and uh i first came across burl ives and uh i learned a couple of his tunes and um uh and learn songs from you know by swapping with other people and uh some kind of jam sessions that we had and one of the other tunes on the record was don't think twice by bob dylan um mule skinner blues mule skinner blues abilene abilene what else? Courting in the Kitchen. Oh, Courting in the Kitchen, which is an Irish song. Since um, I Fell for You. And uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, which was a bit of a crooner called Since I Fell for You. And my uh, my uncle, who lived upstairs from us in, in, in London, was a very big... Uh, um, <clears throat> a uh, very big fan of um uh Nat King Cole, sorry, oh, after, yeah. after a while there. Um and I used to hear uh, his records downstairs when I was a kid and I um I was a bit of a crooner, I guess you could say. I like those kind of songs. I, Grew up hearing a lot of a lot of that kind of music. First time you wrote on that, and um, but I I hadn't really started writing my own stuff 
then, and uh, so it was uh, a hodgepodge of different sort of uh, different kind of songs. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that uh, I, I actually I was a big blues fan, and that's really what I wanted to do. But as you probably heard, my voice is somewhat smooth and uh, it doesn't is not really suited to blues music um so i, I but i did sing i i learned uh, from um uh from records uh, i had a lot of brownie and sunny uh, tunes and bb king and uh uh, I, that was my main uh, sort of direction at that time. And um, then I remember that um, Ian and Sylvia had been down to New York and got signed with Albert Grossman, and they came back uh, um, reveling or uh, very... Um, they had heard Bob Dylan down there, right. and they were very impressed by him and said, you know, this guy's going to be the next big thing. And also that uh, the whole idea was to be, um, to do a lot of different stuff, a varied repertoire. And that's when I started to learn from other singers, uh, uh, more folk music, um, traditional stuff, and uh, that became my repertoire from then on. I'm curious, you, you, you know, I have heard the recording you did of Bob Dylan's Don't Think Twice. Do yes. you know, did he ever give any reaction? or? or Unfortunately any- not, no, I've never met him. Um, I've been very close to him a couple of times. I remember at the Kettle of Fish in New York, which is a place he, he um, used to frequent with Jerry Jeff Walker and uh, um, Tom Rush and Ian Anderson. And um, I went there one night just thinking that I might come across him. And I was very fond of Jerry Jeff too, Jerry Jeff Walker. And but uh, the night that I went, there was I was only there for a week. I was playing at the uh, uh, the downstairs place. I can't remember the name. Of it. Um, anyway, I never did get to meet Bob, but. I met a lot of other, you know, Eric Anderson, Tom Rush, um, uh, people like that. And we also, at the Village Corner, uh, it was the kind of place that we just sort of kept going until we dropped. We often didn't finish until it was daylight. And so it was the kind of place where after people uh, finished their their gigs, um, they would come over to the village corner 
and jam and uh, so I met a lot of interesting people there, uh, among them uh, Paul Stuckey from Peter, Paul and Mary, um, Bob Gibson, Danny Doherty, uh, Danny Doherty of um, Mamas and Papas. Um, yeah, so we, we had a good time. And you, you've mentioned a, a number of people there that you've interacted with, but what about your songwriting influences? Who would you say has influenced your writing the most? Uh, Fred Neal and Jerry Jeff. Um, I was a, a, a big Fred Neal fan. I, I went to see him at the Purple Onion in Toronto and just was mesmerized. I had never heard a voice like that. He was just pretty fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I met Jerry Jeff in, uh, later on in Ottawa and we hung out for a while. And um, I also was very impressed with his repertoire and his style, picked up a few tips and um, he was a big influence. He was a real character. Yes, he was. Yes, <laughs> I had a TV show at the uh, at the time called Both Sides Now from the Johnny Mitchell song, and um, I used to do it with a uh, Anne Mordefee. I don't know if you've heard of her, but um, uh, she later went on to be in musicals and that kind of thing. And anyway, one. At one taping, um, she had lost her voice, and it happened to be uh, the taping that I uh, was doing with Jerry Jeff, so I got to do the whole thing with him. And I played him more often than not, which was one of more more popular tunes, and he liked it very much and ended up recording it, which was nice. Yeah. And I, 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 I should say I met a, uh, the thing, uh, we lasted for about, I think it was um, 26 to maybe 30 shows we did. And among them, among the guests I had were Odetta, um, Eric Anderson, Tom Rush. Uh, we even had... Uh, um, oh, what's his arm? Oh, I can't think. Oh, yes, and we had Chuck Berry. Oh, wow. Mother. Yeah, yeah. He came, and he was a bad guy. He was, he, uh, he had a habit of picking up a rhythm section instead of having a, a band with him all the time. He would pick up a rhythm section, bass and drums um, from local musicians. And uh, he uh, he chose two of my musical friends, a bass player and a drummer. Um, and he was very stickler. He was very stickler for, for uh, the way the drumming and the he wasn't too pleased with that particular section. Mm. 
and there was a bit of an argument. And um, uh, but it was a thrill. I mean, to be uh, you know five or six feet away from one of the masters was was quite uh, thrilling. Now. I want to jump back to something you were mentioning earlier that you were a bit of a crooner. Yes. Were, were you in any way influenced by the people like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. There were a couple of other people of my uncle used to people used to play their records, and this was when I, I was very young still. Um, I wasn't even in my teens, but uh, oh, and also my my father was a big fan of Perry Como, so I I, I saw a lot of him, especially on TV, and um, yeah, I did. I I had I sort of had a an inkling or a desire to 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 do that kind of you know sing that kind of music. Uh, but I never, I never really got the chance. I, I, um, I just had to stick to, to blues and folk music. So, other than yourself, who was the first person to record a David Whiffen song? Um, Anne Murray. I think it was Anne Murray. Uh, I had written a, a song um, called I Don't Want to Drive You Away, which she called David's song, and mm. she recorded it. And um, uh, I think the, the next the next person was uh, Harry, Belafonte? Harry Belafonte, which was a, a, a strange thing. He'd, I had a song that I wrote sort of as a joke um, it's called uh, Mr. Whiffin is incommunicado today. <laughs> and he somehow, uh, he was in Toronto and um, staying at the uh, um, the King Edward Hotel. And um, for some reason, he called, he, he recorded it on an, an album called Play Me. And um, but he uh, he changed it to Old Harry. Um, but uh, it was a bit of a feather in my cap, you know. Harry Belafonte was getting up there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then, as I said, Jerry Jeff recorded more often than not. Um, Eric Anderson recorded more often than not. Uh, uh, Tom Rush recorded Driving Wheel, from which uh, many, many people have have, uh, have recorded that song. And I noticed that they all have, there are a few word changes in Tom Rush's version. And I noticed that most of the covers uh, tend towards his interpretation of the song and not so much mine. He changed a few words here and there, and um, I noticed that uh, most of the people have recorded it 
must have done his version from from listening to the lyrics. Um, and there, are, I can't, I can't really, I can't really tell you how many people call, recorded uh, "Driving Wheel." It's that they're in in the teens and twenties. Mm. Um, it's been uh, oh well. Uh, among them was Roger McGuinn from The Birds. Um, and uh, I think uh, Bob Dylan mentioned it in um, his... Uh, oh, I don't know what that's... We, I don't know what, I don't know what the, the record was called. It was quite recent. And uh, in one of his songs, he mentions Listen to Driving Wheel, which is kind of kind of uh, made me very pleased. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned some singers here, especially, I mean, Ann Murray is just one of the best singers who's ever been. Yeah. Would you say of these different versions that singers have, have recorded, covers of your work, is there a favorite version someone did of a David Whiffen song? Um... I think I'd have to say uh, I think I'd have to say Jerry Jeff mm-hmm. when he sang uh, more often than not. It's a really nice version. Oh, Tom Rush uh, and Eric Anderson. That was nice because um, it's very uh, flattering, among other things, when other writers. Yeah, record your songs. That's it. Really, is a good feeling. It's very uh, makes you feel good. Especially yeah. if it's if it's Eric and Tom, you know that's that's getting pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Great. Who, in your experiences, have has been the nicest person you've met in the music business? Well, Joanne and I have been. We've talked that over, and I. I think uh, I came up with, um, I have to say, uh, Sanitary was one of the the greatest people I ever met. He was so, he was a happy guy, you know, he was always in a good mood and uh, very funny. And I I spent quite a lot of time with them, with Brownie and Sonny at the riverboat in Toronto. and um, uh, and in Vancouver, they they played the bunkhouse quite a bit, so I would hang out with them when they came to town. But he was he was uh, uh, there's nobody like him, or there wasn't anybody like him. He was just a great guy to be around, very joyful. There are some of your songs that to this very day you can find people discussing online. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I, I, there's a couple I feel I, I just must ask about them, and not only for my own curiosity, but also for everyone out there who's <laughs> in conversation. What inspired the song Coast to Coast? Uh Traveling, uh, traveling in Canada on 
what we used to call in the early days the almost non-existent Canadian tour, which consisted pretty well of about five cities. And you found yourself, you know, going from Toronto, we'd play in uh, uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, uh, Saskatoon, Regina, and then out to the West Coast. And I ended up there in Vancouver, where I spent uh, two or three years and um, met a lot of people. That was during the bunkhouse years. Met a lot of good people. And what about the song Driving Wheel? Uh, that's, I would say, it's it's purely fictional. It just came to me that I always liked that uh, the song, The Midnight Special. And um, it just happened to be a, a nice uh, a nice line to put in there. That, uh, but it was fictional. I've never been to Texas, <laughs> but, but because of Jerry Jeff and uh, uh, who is a or was a uh, a Texan, and whom with whom I spent a lot of time, I uh, it just it it just was a good line. I liked it, and that's how it came about. Well, someone I am a fan of, David Bromberg, he recorded that song, Driving Wheel. Yeah, what did you yeah. think of his interpretation? I just I just listened to it very recently. I'd never heard it, his version before, and I really liked it. It was a very good version. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Someone that you've worked with is Mr. Bruce Coburn, who was yes. a guest on this show. What is it work like working with a guy like Bruce Coburn? Oh, he's uh, he's very knowledgeable. Um, he's a great musician. We made Coast to Coast Fever together, which was a, a pleasure. It was very very easily done. Um, we never had any. We got along well, and the sessions went very well. But uh, he, he's what I would call a master. His guitar playing is phenomenal. He's got a good voice and his songs are amazing. And uh, I spend a lot of time with Bruce. And we, we go along very well. Is there a song of yours that you feel is the best? Yeah, it's. Uh, there's one on. Uh, uh, I made a record, uh, the last the last one, I guess, that, that I ever did was, uh, I called it Songs from the Lost and Found, because for a long time, the masters were, were actually lost. And uh, they turned up several, several years later. And there was a song on there called The Ballad of the Inland Sailors which I think is probably one of the best songs I've ever written. And um, and I guess um, more often than not, is it's the song that I'm known for. Uh, as soon as I start the chords, people start applauding. So that's nice. Hmm. 
has there been an honor that has meant the most to you? Oh, I, an, an honor, yes. Um, well, I've had I've had uh, two um, what do you say? Uh, what's the word? I always forget for what they did. Oh, um, benefit. Yes, they. Um, I've had two uh, collections of musicians who have done tribute. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. And uh, it's 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 always it's really uh, it's really a nice thing to uh, hear, other, as I say, other artists play your music and sing your music. And um, I've had a couple of those. One in Ottawa here, where we used local musicians. Um, um, and also one at Hughes Room in Toronto with uh, uh, the Cowboy Junkies, Murray McLaughlin, uh, Tom Wilson, um, and others. I, I can't remember them all. Um, and so that was that was a very nice thing to happen, both mm -hmm. of them. And we had a big you know, room was packed, which is was was a good thing too. Yeah. What has surprised you the most about your life? Oh yes, I have to say that I just turned eighty this year, which I blew my mind. Actually, I never expected to live that long. So that's nice. Who would you say David Whiffen is at heart? Who is David Whiffen? It's a hard one. Um, oh yes, well, <laughs> I've had I've had several uh, it's um, interruptions in my in my career. I got married in. Um, in the early 80s and uh, there was a child involved so i had to uh, i had to get a, a real job and uh, i was out of circulation for about a year and a half and uh learning to you know to put the food on the table uh and well just a happy guy at the, you know, um, there's been a lot of sadness in my life, especially in earlier years. Uh, I had a bit of a problem with alcohol, as it seems most of us do in this business. Um, uh, but I've been sober for about 35 years. Wow. That's not that's not a problem anymore, and um, I uh, was very lucky in love. I've been I've been married to my wife now for thirty-five four years, thirty-five or thirty-six years, and uh, we're still in love. And we, we it's been a 
a really good time for me. Joanne is my rock. You said Joanne is your rock? Yes. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you very much. For everything. Now, I know that you're a poet, and I'm wondering if, in closing, perhaps there was a poem you'd like to read or recite. Well, I have one here. Um, I, I don't, uh, I have written poetry, um, but nothing that I would really be want to read. But uh, throughout my early life, I had a, a, I guess, what I would call my best friend, which is a guy called William Hawkins, who wrote um, Gnostic Serenade and Cotton Candy Man, which were on the Three's a Crowd album. Um, and uh, this is one of his poems with my favorite, which is called The Warner Mystique, about a lady friend of his, which says, pause in front of light as it falls off the bulb onto us and marvel. Thus it is with light, and I would have it be with me, falling on you from all possible angles. Full stop. Nice, eh? Very lovely. Very nice. Do you have any idea how much enjoyment and fascination and pleasure people have gotten from your music through the years. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I'm a very, I'm very aware of it. Um, there's, you know, there's been quite a lot of stuff online which I, I get to read, and um, one of the things that I'm kind of proud of is that my, my music is played all over the world. Um, my uh, my uh, royalty uh, statements are like writing a or writing a, or reading rather a geography book. It's <laughs> quite amazing, uh, including um, the Canary Islands, Russia, um, Russia um, and one that just came in the other day, which was from Vietnam which I'm very proud of. That really made me feel good. Remarkable. And also, um, it's nice to know that my music, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually uh, worked now for, I, the last thing I did was in the end of 1999, but uh, I still hear my music on the radio and it stood the test of time, which is, makes me very proud. Well, I always like to give the guest the microphone at the end, it really open-ended for anybody who is watching us or tuning in, wherever they are in the world, because as we've established, there's fans of yours from all over this globe. Oh, yeah. What would you say to anybody who is tuned in with us? Keep on listening. And uh, thank you. Word. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for this interview. And, and thank you to Joanne as well. You're very welcome. And she says you're very welcome to. This is and a great pleasure. You. I am. I'm, I read your uh, 
your list of guests, and obviously I'm in some pretty good company. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. There are some great recording artists in Canada. We love listening to them down here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have uh, we have a good bunch here. I'm just reading. Uh, actually, right um, right now, I'm reading uh, Gordon Lightfoot's uh, biography, and uh, he's quite a guy. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of working with him during the early days at the Village Corner, so I know him quite well. And uh, uh, Ian and Sylvia Tyson uh, were very good to me in the early days. I did my first uh, concert, proper concert, um, with them. I opened for them at uh, Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And um, I got an encore, nice. uh, which was nice. And uh, I wanted to be uh, more of a concert musician and not so much play in the bars and places like that. But um, and I've I've appeared in uh, in some pretty nice places, you know, and um, so it's been a good time. Well, Mr. Whiffen, thank you so much, and I, I am honored to have done this interview. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's nice to hear. All right, sir. Okay, been nice. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by people like you, listeners, viewers. Please go to thepaulleslie.com slash support. And you'll know what to do when you're there. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who contributes. Performance of The Entertainer intro song by John Primerano. And of course, this is your announcer speaking. See you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour. <laughs>